1: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Saturday night about 11.27 p.m. on the East Coast as we get rocking and rolling here, putting week two to bed as the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina after <laughs> going to Lawrence and coming up with a straight up win last season. Uh, here they are again and now they are just dominating uh, 12 to 7 with that result last year 21 nothing as we sit here and record if there's any major updates we will continue to offer our commentary and analysis but there's uh, considering the slate there there is a lot to get to uh, including thoughts on what we saw from uh, conference championship and college football playoff contenders Clemson Oklahoma Notre Dame uh, we got to see you know we could reach all the way back into Thursday if we want you know what we saw from Miami but I think that there's, there's two big winners for this week. Number one, I mean, it is the GD sunbelt, right? (laughs) And then number two, it is, uh, what could have been if we had all offered our money line sprinkles for this week, because we made a grave error in not putting the money line sprinkles on the locks (laughs) and correct me if I'm wrong, Barton, didn't you have Arkansas state? You claim the claim was you were going to be Arkansas state as your sprinkle, right? that
2: that was going to that would have been my sprinkle. Okay. Yes. We were, I, I don't know. I don't know if I get credit for it saying it, you know, when it wasn't uh, wasn't on the pod, but yeah, that would have been my sprinkle.
1: Tom and I put it on CBS Sports HQ.
2: Yeah. With the way
0: my week's going in the locks, I'd really like to get some uh what's the word I'm I, I would like credit for my coastal Carolina.
1: Well, and, it's and listen, right now, <laughs> Kansas, Kansas can turn this thing around, right? Like we we got to remember that 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 one's not in the books yet. Mine uh, was Louisiana, and so yeah, like I I kind of and not in in a, a gloating way at all, but I do kind of want to start with this wild, uh, you know, noon slate where we had both uh, Louisiana, in, in my opinion, looking like a team that was just as physical just as fast and just as athletic as the Iowa State team that they were going up against. Uh, And then Arkansas State... Uh, just hanging in there, just running trick plays, like figuring out ways to, to get by against Kansas state. And so like the sunbelt being a storyline coming out of our limited week, one maintains on into week two. So, uh, I mean, Louisiana or Arkansas state, Iowa state goes down. Kansas state goes down uh, big 12. I'm not going to draw any big, big 12 storylines just yet, unless y'all want to go there. Uh, which way do y'all want to take this?
0: I mean, I think I think there are three power conferences playing this fall, and Sun Belt is taking that one away from the Big Twelve. I think the Sun Belt is our new Power Three. That's,
1: that's what happens when you've got a day like today. It's like, sorry, yeah. you you get demoted. Sun Belt, you're the new team. Barton, what would you make of it all? I
2: think um, the Sun Belts or the Big Twelve to me. So I, I was talking about this in in the twenty four seven Slack today. It's I used to think the Big Twelve is Oklahoma, maybe Texas and Oklahoma state this year. And then a bunch of middle-class teams, like just this big collection of sort of mid mid range, uh, the, the, the middle-class socioeconomic status. And and I've come to the realization that is basically it's the one percenters, which is Oklahoma, maybe (laughs) Texas, maybe Oklahoma state this year. And then it's like everyone below the poverty line. It's just the, the, there, there is, it's, there's no middle class and they're all just not very good. And th- that was a bad look, man. This is a bad, bad look for the Big 12 today.
1: So, in all, the- I, oh, go ahead, Tom.
0: I, I do think we should protect against the, like, cause I've always said in, in a regular season, I always feel like we shouldn't react too much to what we see on the opening weekend for anybody. And I think this year, especially, there's going to be some strange kind of outcomes. That said, Louisiana was just, the much better team than Iowa State, pretty much throughout the entire game. So it's like I don't think I don't think we could chalk that one up to just fluky week, first game of the season type of things for either teams. And I would say that maybe with Arkansas State they had a bit of an advantage of having already played a game while Kansas State's in their opener. But yeah, it's you combine those two losses with like Kansas, which I guess Kansas losing to a Sunbelt team wouldn't really hurt the Big 12's reputation because that's something I don't think anybody's going to be shocked by. But it's just, it's a rough start to the season for the Big 12, except for like Barton said, the one percenters, Oklahoma and Texas.
2: Well, and as we sit here right now, and I don't know what the final's going to be, but uh, Houston Baptist has given Texas Tech everything Get they want. Get out of here. Oh my mm-hmm.
1: gosh. I hadn't even pulled up that scoreboard for a while. Well, yeah.
2: There, There was the
0: tweet earlier this week from like, Texas Tech. One of their transfers from Arizona, like a linebacker, I can't remember his name right now, has been with the program for what, like ten days, and he was named the Collins starter. Schooler. Yeah, and it was like I, I tweeted, like the little taking notes things. It's like, oh, okay, that's uh, <laughs> that's worth noting because that's probably not a good sign for the Texas Tech defense. And yeah, it's it's proving to be true so far.
2: I, I will uh, take issue with one thing you said, though, Tom. You said that Louisiana was clearly the better team than Iowa State, and uh, like, that game, what was really interesting, because it, it, when you look at the box score, it really, like, Louisiana didn't dominate the box score, it was just, it was was three plays. It was a kick return touchdown, it was a punt return touchdown, it was a 78-yard touchdown pass, and if you take away those three plays, it's not like Iowa State looked good, but iowa state was you know had more like and they i was there turned the ball over a couple of times so but they had more yards per play they had um you know they they ran the ball they got you know Brees hall had over 100 yards rushing they it, it was a it, it wasn't a terrible showing it was just that louisiana capitalized on some big plays and so i don't know like i i i, I, think,
1: like, I, think, I think i think brock purdy's stat line tells tells a lot yeah yeah it yeah. was bad
2: and, I, yeah, and no, Cajuns, true, for sure. the Cajuns, the Cajuns had more yards
0: per play than Iowa State
2: did. It was four point oh, nine did? to four point three.
0: I, I think what would you
2: dominate if you look at the box score? No, more I think yards. So, so uh, I would say more yards total. Yeah. So, yeah, my, I, yeah,
0: but I, where I mean dominate is like watching the game, the line play. Like Iowa State was getting pushed around quite a bit, especially in the trenches, and it was just that was the one thing that kind of stood out to me while I was watching the game because. Normally when we see like these group of five teams do this, like you said, they had those big plays that they always need to pull off those upsets. But normally it's like, you know, you see their skill players or their quarterback has a great game. You don't really see their offensive line pushing around the power five teams, defensive line or vice versa. And I saw a lot of that while I was watching this game.
1: It is. Um, it is for me. Affirmation that Louisiana is like, yes, a very, very good team. Like, There's nothing that is fluky about the fact that this is like they're not just the second best Sunbelt team, but, you know, they are a top 25 team. I mean, yes, that I'm saying that in the context of there only being 76 teams that are playing right now, but they are without a doubt, in my mind, one of the top third. So, you know, you get to reframe it a little bit that, uh To fast forward ahead, if we are fortunate enough to be playing college football in a healthy way when the college football playoff selection committee starts to unveil their rankings, you got a road win against a power five team. like, And you looked pretty good. You shut them out in the second half. I mean, did Billy Napier out coach Matt Campbell there? Has Matt Campbell missed? Has, has has he gotten like the superstar invincibility, uh, video game style, and it's all worn off? And now Billy Napier's the new hot coach to do to take this ride because the way that that second half played out was wild to me because the. The, the the box score might not show any kind of domination. Our eyes might tell us that we were surprised at how Louisiana looks compared to the expectations of a Sun Belt team going in to play Iowa State on the road. But I mean, did yeah did did Billy Napier out coach Matt Campbell?
2: I mean, yeah, probably. I yeah. mean, he, he, yeah. I mean, his team. I, I thought his team was better prepared. I thought his and he he just. Look, he, he was going to be a hot name, anyways, and he was going to do well in the Sun Belt, and they were going to have another probably double-digit win season. Uh, I don't know. I, well, actually, I don't know about that because I guess uh, only ten games or whatever. But they were going to have another really good year, probably be in the Sun Belt Championship game, and he was going to have he was going to be one of the top names in the group of five. He was going to be one of the top available coaches or whatever. But this was like his one shot this year. To, to like elevate his status from like, oh, look at that hot group of five coach to like, oh, if one of the blue blood jobs come open, this dude just wouldn't be the guy that everyone was talking. About. Like Matt Campbell turned out Florida State last year. Right. Yep, Right. That's the guy that Florida State wanted. And now like Billy Napier isn't just, oh, well, Mississippi State may want like if Mississippi State's going to poke around at Billy Napier or like, oh, Baylor is kind of Billy Napier. It's like, like B- Billy Napier is going to be the first man up. Um, you know, maybe Luke Fickle still got an edge on him, but like Billy Napier is going to be the first man up. And, and that's, that's a very small sliver. He was able to, to sneak into, to, to make that happen by beating an Iowa state team that's ranked in the top 25. And by the way, like Iowa state, I don't know, they may be average, but Matt Campbell has this really weird, um, like he's, he's defined in this very weird specific way. Like he's going to win about eight games. He's gonna <laughs> not be that good in the regu- in the early going. He may lose or almost lose to a not very good team, and then he's gonna beat Oklahoma, or he's gonna beat Texas or whatever. So like, they're still gonna beat somebody, but um, he got to, he's, he, he got he got beat up on too by the by the next Matt Campbell. Um, I'm
0: calling my shot right now. Okay, Billy Napier at this time next year
2: will be the head coach of your South Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah, I think that's the that that probably be where the, the best bet is for sure.
1: Because you're just he played at Furman. He's
0: he's been an assistant at South Carolina State. He was an assistant at Clemson. It's
2: yeah. It's it makes too much sense.
1: Billy Napier taking on Dabo. Oh boy, that is rich.
2: And -hmm. it might be. And you know, like the other thing to think about too. I wonder. And I just I'm just thinking this in real time. But like, um, you know, South Carolina in in a non-COVID year is probably getting rid of Will Muschamp at five and seven. All right. In a COVID year, I don't know what that goes down to, but it's probably, they're probably much more forgiving. Like, if, as long as he doesn't just go like one and nine or, or 0 for, you know, they probably get let him back. But I wonder if, let's say, Bill and Napier goes on to go 10 and 1 this year and wins the Sun Belt. I wonder if they're like, look, this, we, we got this guy sitting here in a year where well, we may be the only team to take a swing at him. Like, must like congratulations on your four wins, but like we got to go make a run at this guy. And then must champ can go replace miles at Kansas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> doesn't he always it is need Now to...
0: 28 to nothing shit to clear. Oh my God.
1: He needs a DC year though, right? Doesn't he all, doesn't, he need to like go, uh, be the def- defensive coordinator, like for Bama or something. Just to be yeah, able probably. to, like...
2: That's probably it. save <laughs> <Probably just laughs> Saban
1: did.
2: rehab school That's for exactly coaches. What it is. <laughs> if they don't win a national championship, Pete Golding will take the heat, much chance to D.C. next year, and then he's a the head coach somewhere.
1: <laughs> um Okay, so because I had higher expectations for Louisiana, because I was more impressed in the win, Louisiana felt like it took the, the headline in this two-part Sun Belt storyline in the early part of the day. Arkansas State was down nine starters for this game against Kansas state. And like, I just thought that Kansas state, you know, we, we got to see Deuce Vaughn. Thank you, Barton Simmons for turning us on to Deuce Vaughn listeners of the cover three podcast, got to see him and got to see the, the legend begin as he scored his first career touchdown. But I really thought Kansas state was disjointed offensively, which you know, disappointing if you had high hopes for Kansas State. I have a hard time, given what I saw from Arkansas State in our other data point, you know, shout out to one of the few teams that we've got two games under our belt, Arkansas State and I guess Army. The I don't know that Kansas State being disjointed offensively was a great credit or the cause being Arkansas State's defense. They hit a couple of uh, trick plays. They hit a couple big plays. The, the wide receiver play for Arkansas State is, is maddening and phenomenal yeah. all at the yeah. same time. Yes. I mean, like the most ridiculous catches and then also so many wide open drops. So I guess the the question is, you know, what do you, how do you take the temperature, temperature of this Arkansas State team and how much does it excite you to continue to track the Red Wolves going through the season? Well,
0: I think Jonathan Adams is playing
2: his way to the NFL really quick. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he looked great. I think. I mean that that one, the K State Arkansas State is the one where it's like, K State kind of got got their ass kicked. Like, like that that was Arkansas State. Now, granted, they had they had they were able to play a week before, um, but their offensive line is physical. They got those big wide receivers. Um, their their quarterback play, they they like they can get the job done. Um, but they beat like K State couldn't couldn't run the football like that's supposed to be their identity like they're, uh Deuce Vaughn had a couple like nifty little runs but man I mean the two point three yards per carry mm-hmm. was was the Kansas State's run production I think their leading rusher like rushed for like I don't know thirty something yards forty yards Deuce, or
0: something Deuce had forty seven
2: yards forty seven yards leading rusher um, I, I just you know they they just and, and, and the other, like
1: 23 of those like, are from the wild snap. Remember there was that one snap where yes. Skylar Thompson got out there and the ball just yeah. like shot right behind them, but fair should all count for the team total.
2: But what, okay. That's fair for the, for like the, the, the average, but, but it still doesn't change oh, yeah. the fact the, that like they no did not running run backs, well. like, yeah. like had any, any yardage of note. Um, and, uh, I did like Skylar Thompson and his wide receivers. Like there were several t- moments during the game where, they had an opportunity to make big plays in the past game. And whether it was a misplaced throw or whether it was a receiver that, that kind of should have made a, a maybe a, a difficult catch that he didn't, like just wasn't there. And that that, that could be his first week stuff. Um, but, I mean, Kansas, but Arkansas State just, to me, like that was a game where they just sort of looked better. I mean, if they if they had lost that game because uh, Kansas State kind of came back and and, and took the lead there. I think the that would have been that would have been a tough one to swallow for Arkansas State because it felt like they really controlled that game.
0: Yeah, Skylar Thompson, I mean, like you said, I hope it was first week jitters because that's somebody who when I was doing just research during the offseason, it's like you, you looked underneath the surface on his numbers at somebody like the peripherals and it was like, oh wow, this kid's actually, you know, he's performing better than you might have thought. And I I had high hopes for him coming into the season. So he, he, he did not look very good on Saturday. I mean, he was 17-29 to 29 for 259 yards, had two touchdowns and in the interception, but it was it was more that the throws he missed or just didn't make that were there, that it's like, oh, I, I, especially in a four-point loss, those loomed kind of large at the end there. But yeah, it's Arkansas State. I mean, the Sun Belt, we came in thinking, you know, App State and the Cajuns are clearly the best two teams in the conference, but I think Arkansas State, the way that they've looked through two weeks, this is a team that I think is, Gonna be competing for you know at least a spot in the Sunbelt title game with those two all season long.
1: So um you Texas as we record right now is just molly uh UTEP 59 to three right now, one percenters. Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler just you know, didn't even have to put in much work. You know, they just they went up thirty one nothing in the first quarter. I did not buy the pay per view. So just, I will invent that at one point I was watching a Twitter highlight shared by an Oklahoma videographer who was just shooting the viewfinder on his camera. You know how you can just have the tiny like three inch screen that pops out from the camera. So I was watching that to see some Spencer Rattler highlights, but it continues a trend that we saw last year. Do y'all remember what the big 12's bowl record was? wasn't it
0: winless or was it like one in something
1: one in five? Yeah. And the takeaway that I had for myself was don't get the parody of the big 12s, middle class confused with like, because it's intriguing doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. And So that continues as we don't know how to separate some of these teams from each other, but that doesn't mean that they are necessarily some of the best teams in college football. So
0: Hey, we're out here dogging the Big 12 and not even mentioning that West Virginia down a
2: whole bunch of starters still kicked Eastern Kentucky's butt. They did. Right. Props to Eastern Kentucky for just just like it's raising their bad. hand and stepping in to just get spanked by a bunch of teams. I mean, they, they didn't have to do that, but they decided to. You <laughs> they, remember, You
0: remember the could've. Brooklyn brawler from the old WWF days?
1: No, that's,
0: that's Eastern (laughs) Kentucky.
1: (laughs) Um, all right. So to, to take this on into sort of the, the next portion of this, I, I feel like, mm, I feel like we need to, to, to check in on Mike Norvell, right? Because it was the debut of Willie Taggart. And and Danny Cannell mentioned this here on the uh, on the podcast that I think it was twenty four to three. A lot home loss to Virginia Tech, and the offense just was absolutely woeful. Could not get anything going, and here we go again. James Blackman as the quarterback, the offense cannot do anything. I mean, it was painful to try and watch this Florida State offense operate and it only became more of a struggle as the game got later. Like Mike Norvell was supposed to reverse some of these trends that we saw under Willie Taggart. Like it was going to be tough to be able to fix all of the offensive line play, but just there was just such a creeping familiar feeling from last season. Remember like the they had those fourth quarter leads, three blown fourth quarter leads. It was Boise State, it was Virginia, it was Wake Forest. And in all those games where they blew those leads, it was a situation where you would just watch them in these crunch time moments where they just needed a first down to be able to to keep the drive alive, to keep their lead. Or then they would fall behind and they just needed a first down to be able to stay in the game. And, And it was all of that... All over the game, all over again. It was another blown fourth quarter lead. Georgia Tech sixteen, Florida State thirteen. Yo, Mike Norvell how how do you like connect with this locker room right now? How does Florida State get up from this? And how much are are we and y'all uh, adjusting your barometer for what even to expect from the Seminoles team in the ACC schedule?
0: I believe I aired in. My belief that Mike Norvell was a good enough coach to just suddenly make that offensive line good and suddenly make James Blackman a good quarterback because Like you're right watching that game. It was like there was no difference between That Florida State team today than any Florida State team we've seen in recent seasons. James Blackman was I mean a lot of it's it's not all on him obviously cause the offensive line was bad and he was under a lot of pressure, but He's shown time and time again that whether he's under pressure or not, he still makes mistakes. He still misses throws. He was 23 of 43 for 198 yards. They could not run the ball ball the only average 3.1 yards per carry and even more worrisome to me was like you know tomorrow on terry's dropping passes like he dropped what would have been an easy touchdown had he just pulled it in on a corner route he's yeah. dropping passes there was just it was a sloppy performance and maybe hopefully it's just if you're florida state you could look back on this in a couple weeks and say okay that was just first game of the year type of stuff but man if you're a florida state fan you've gone through the last few years today did not make you feel any better about anything
2: uh, I thought the the chip, you even, I, I mentioned it in our cover three text thread and you even sort of cautioned uh, taken Florida state because of the, Jeff Sims. The, re- <laughs> the Jeff Sims revenge element. So Jeff Sims was committed to Willie Taggart, Florida state. And he, when Mike Norvell got the job, they basically dropped him and went after, uh, Tate Rodemaker and Chubba um, Purdy. And uh, instead, Jeff Sims flipped, decommitted, got dropped, however you want to phrase it, commits to Georgia Tech. And then he goes to Tallahassee with a Georgia Tech team that is 365 days removed from uh, an option offense, or whatever, however long it is. And he out-duels James Blackman. Yeah. I mean... He had he looked better. He had better numbers. Georgia Tech's offense was better. Now he had some, two terrible interceptions. Yes, <laughs> but <laughs> aside from those horrible interceptions, he he looked okay. And that's the quarterback that like could have been competing for a starting job with James Blackman um, at at Florida State. So I just thought that that was a really interesting storyline. The other thing I thought was. Because when I when I did the the depth chart deep dive, the the depth chart um, kind of breakdowns around the country, one of the things that jumped out to me was Florida State's running backs. Like we went from Devontae Freeman and Cam Akers and um, uh, whatever, all these other first round draft picks, um, and and then this this running back room now that Florida State's got is Damian Webb and just Sean Corbin, and you know kind of n- n- not these guys not these these first round type of guys that we've been seeing forever and then you look up the in this this game and it's the webb leading rusher 13 carries 39 yards travis jordan came in with like 39 yards like second in the second half to just like out of the quarterback position Deshaun corbin's their second leading rusher at the running back position with 18 yards on six carries like what like that's that's the best we can do with this offense um Maybe they really do miss those guys. Maybe you know, but it it's just it's pretty startling to see this Florida State offense just be this bad.
1: How many They're still great at ahead. blocking
2: kicks, though?
1: Yeah, It's yeah. ridiculous. How many <laughs> ACC teams would trade their current starter for James Blackman?
2: I mean, I don't think anyone would like. Well, let I don't know. There's, certain, there's let's start from
0: the top here. All right. Clemson not trading their starter Notre Dame no not trading their starter uh Louisville not trading their starter North Carolina is not trading their starter Miami's not trading their starter Pittsburgh's not trading their starter BC
1: might might I had BC, I've got two I've got two to three on on my initial scan and BC was one of my two to three NC State <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see next week. Yeah, we
1: gotta see Devin Leary in action before yeah. like maybe.
0: I don't think either of Virginia schools are. Nah.
2: Uh no. Syracuse mm, <laughs> I mean Syracuse might.
1: Tommy tries so hard though.
2: <laughs> what about Duke?
1: <laughs> no. I, I I liked what I saw from Chase Bryce. Yeah, Chase Bryce was all
2: right. I thought Chase Price looked pretty good too. Uh, I can stop hating on the Clemson quarterback transfers.
1: I I liked uh, Sam Hartman. I thought he I thought he played okay against Clemson. I mean, it's it's a tough tough haul against Yeah, that you can't
2: measure so. that. He, you, you would take Hartman
0: over Blackman, I think. So BC might be the only one that would consider it
1: really. Yeah, it was BC, BC, Syracuse, in uh, NC State,
2: and NC State.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll see. I've I. I'll keep some uh, homerism to thinking that maybe Devin Leary's taking some steps, but again, we've got to be able to uh, to go see that. You mentioned the Jeff Sims, how about so there were two ACC quarterbacks who were committed to Florida State and uh, at one time during their recruitment and one on Saturday, and neither of them play for Florida State.
0: Same Oops. how. Oops. <laughs>
1: so. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's that's just the way it breaks sometimes. Uh, all right, coming up on the other side, we'll take a look at our initial thoughts to some of the best teams in the country. Talking about Clemson, talk about Notre Dame, talk about Oklahoma, all that and more. Next, check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network Um let's start, let's go to Notre Dame. Twenty seven thirteen against Duke. The not necessarily the the thumpin that I think was projected by some. Tom, was that a lock?
0: Uh yeah, I had a minus twenty.
1: What what how, how do you diagnose it? What's the post game? How do, Just, how does your how does your fighting Irish uh diagnosis change?
0: Uh not really, not at all, really. I just think it was sloppy first game of the season type of stuff. It was, I mean, Kyron Williams looks like he's going to be the real deal. Awesome. He rushed for 112 yards, had two touchdowns. He also caught two passes for 93 yards. One of them was a 75-yarder like on the first play of a drive that took him to a first and goal. And then Ian Book threw an interception at the goal line directly afterwards. But I felt like every mistake Notre Dame made was just kind of an execution, first game of the year type stuff. Nothing that really scared you or made you think this is going to be a problem for them going forward. And then on the other side, I thought like we, we, we mentioned earlier, I thought Chase Bryce played pretty well. I mean, his overall numbers weren't great. He was 20 of 37. He had a 259 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but you know, he did some good stuff in the run game. He made some nice throws. It's just, you know, they're playing against a better team and they, had they really had struggles in the red zone. Like they had two first and goal situations in the first half that both ended up with a field goal. And I think that, you know, in a 14-point game is gonna loom large for them. But I just think overall, it was cold, it was rainy, it was windy, first game of the year. Notre Dame didn't look all that sharp. Ian Book, especially, didn't really look all that sharp. But I thought, you know, as far as play calling was concerned, you know, the big Thomas Reese. Who Barton is dressed up as for Halloween right now as we're recording this, <laughs> Tommy Reese. I thought he did a good job. I, like I said, I think the problem with Notre Dame's offense was mostly execution, not really play calling. I thought he did some nice stuff. He kept you know Duke off balance, kept things moving. It looked good. Just you know, got to finish. But I, I don't think there was anything alarming. If I'm a Notre Dame fan, from what I saw today.
2: So what the did did you leave the game thinking that they can compete with Clemson for an ACC championship? No, No. neither, but I didn't think they could before the game. Yeah. I mean, I, I I suspected that Clemson was a clear tier above, but I, I I held out the possibility that either a Notre Dame's defense would be so dominant that they would, that, that they would be able to, uh, compete with that kind of a team or B that I was underestimating sort of the next evolution of Notre Dame's offense. Uh, I think neither of those things are true. Notre Dame's defense while very good is still sort of this Ben don't break sort of unit. It's, you know, they gave up some good, big plays, but then you get in the red zone. Like they weren't, they weren't budging. They're going to hold you to field goal. Like they, they could give up a couple drives here and there, but ultimately, you you know, good luck. Um, And the offense First of all, Ian Book's still Ian Book. Yeah. Like, you know, preach all you want about uh, Ian Book's taking the next step and Dark Horse Heisman and man, wait till you see Ian Book this year. He's Ian Book. He will always be Ian Book. He is Ian Book now. He'll be Ian Book tomorrow. He'll be Ian Book five years from now. He's Ian Book. And that's not a bad thing. Like, being Ian Book's pretty good, but it's not the same as. The, the guys that are winning Heisman trophies, the guys that are winning national championships. So I think... That's settled. Ian like Book that, has that.
1: his like CDL three times over. He's a bus driver who has achieved all <laughs> is- of the bonus bus driver safety certifications. He gets an extra $15 on every paycheck because of all of the extra certifications he has as being one of the best bus drivers in all of college football. <laughs>
2: Uh yes
0: Sam, yeah, let's have John work on a graphic of Tommy Reese driving a bus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh but no, so so, Ian Book is is the ultra certified bus driver, and Tommy Reese is is fine, and 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 I'll tell you this: what I was excited about is Kyron Williams is awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
2: he was awesome, and so they, they've got a running back. And they got a good offensive line, all that. But and then Michael Mayer made a few plays at tight ends, and Amy that was Gronk. yep. That, I think the that's 30s. encouraging. But the other element here, to where I don't like that, makes me believe that Notre Dame isn't going to be able to take like this next like playoff step. Is I didn't see a lot of perimeter like like weapons. You know, I they they didn't have like the Chase Claypool or the. Um, Miles Boykin or um, uh, Will Fuller, like they they didn't have that guy. Maybe and I don't know who I don't know who it would be that would emerge later. Kevin Austin, I guess is he still hurt? Um, but until they get that guy, and I think that's what they like even though they have like even those guys even aren't even like don't even play like that when they're at Notre Dame. They went to the combine before we realized they're who that is. they're they're that guy. Um, so I think I still think Notre Dame is missing that piece. Um, and, and they are still they still don't scare Clemson to me.
0: I will say, I said that Notre Dame fans don't have anything to worry about. There is one thing to worry about. Kyle Hamilton did leave the game with mm. a sprained ankle. So that's something to keep an eye on because if they lose him, I think that's a serious problem for their defense.
2: I'll say this too. Like I didn't think, I thought defensively they are best up front. Like, yeah. I thought their defensive line looked really good. Linebackers can make plays. Wusu uh, Koromoa was awesome. I didn't. Other than Kyle Hamilton, I didn't think a lot really flashed out of their secondary. Like if if so, again, it goes back to just like skill. Notre Dame's skill is still lacking, I think.
1: The uh, it was funny too because Brian Kelly in the post game, uh, at least what he did with Jack Collinsworth on NBC, it was it was a little bit of him acknowledging that if he were. His preference is for them just to run the damn ball behind the best offensive line in the country because he was like, yeah, you know, there were some jitters out there in the first half, but I I thought that, uh, I thought Tommy did a good job. He realized what worked for us. And then we stuck to that in the second half. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) okay, so yeah, we're just gonna like Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree. Like we got this deep backfield. Why would we ever like Notre Dame Notre Dame's offense in 2020 right now is that very reductive. uh, What is it? There's three things like the uh, three things can happen when you pass the ball. Two of them are bad. There's two things that can happen when you run the ball. Only one of them is bad type scenario. Like they're just like, no, we can win football games with uh, Dalen Hayes, Wusu Koromoa, like the, the offense, the defense is so good that we can just run the ball behind this offensive line and they're going to be able to beat everybody on their schedule, not named Clemson. And that's, that's a successful Notre Dame football season.
2: And, and you could probably, you could probably, you just can't, you can't line up head to head and be Clemson, but like, um, yeah, like Notre Dame in and, and, and they don't have many of these games this year, you know, like no, maybe Clemson's the only game where they actually, you know, are going to play someone where they have to answer some of these questions that I just brought up. But, against Clemson you know like Notre Dame might have enough pieces on defense might have a good enough offensive line Kyron Williams might be good enough back where you can just sort of piece together a game plan that gives you a chance to win a game like that but I think that's the frustration with Notre Dame like they've already faced Clemson in that scenario and Clemson won the middle eight and that's ball game right and so I think that they're tired of having to tightrope that deal and they want to at some point just be able to line up and, and and go toe to toe with athletes and they're still not there.
1: All right, let's go to the tigers next. Um, The touchdown drought against wake forest or the touchdown drought for wake forest against Clemson is over. We shot off fireworks. We had confetti cannons for the first time since the 2017 game between Clemson and Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons found pay dirt, but they found it in garbage time as they put up 10 points in the fourth quarter in a 37-13 to 13 loss. The backdoor cover is awfully painful for everybody. Heavy public favorite that was the Clemson Tigers and certainly a Clemson team that we were rooting for on the Cover 3 podcast. But I, I came away from this one with... Uh, an interesting twist in the the storyline around Trevor Lawrence because he doesn't have T Higgins and he doesn't have a Justin Ross. There isn't um, those overwhelming surefire receivers like Frank Ladson had a couple grabs. I think Joseph Nagata had a, a catch in this game, but the leading receivers are are senior slot Amari Rogers and junior tight end Braden Galloway. Like, he is just having to distribute the ball, make some sound decisions, and he ends up doing it to the tune of 351 yards passing on 78% completion percentage. I mean, (laughs) he was just... He he was being... Ridiculous. Yeah, he was just being an effective quarterback. He was being that kind of, like he was being the kind of NFL robot that the NFL scouts are going to go crazy for. And, uh, it, and it was strong enough. I think other headlines of course include, uh, miles Murphy, uh, who I think Maybe not necessarily officially a starter. He was listed as a backup, but he certainly played starters minutes in this game. Brian Percy, both of them had sacks, and Miles Murphy ended up leading the team in tackles in this game. The freshman movement is real. When Dabo says this is the most talented team that he's ever had, you are absolutely seeing it from game one. And so, yeah, in like a weird season where we've got – 10 game conference schedules and games getting delayed and players getting scratched and uh, 3 covid tests a week like a little bit of what we expect about college football is that Clemson is just running the show right now uh, in the ACC so I I don't know I don't know about y'all I I sort of came out of this one feeling like I was just checking boxes for Clemson and uh, and not really dissuaded at all from the belief that they are college football playoff bound
0: Yeah, like remember last year, every week when we would record this show, we would spend 30 seconds talking about Clemson because it was simply just, yep, yep, Clemson's still good, much better than everybody in the ACC. I have a feeling that we're going to be doing a lot of those kind of Clemson recaps again this year because that's exactly how I felt watching Clemson play today. It was, yep, they're still a whole hell of a lot better than everybody else in the ACC. Can't really figure anything out until we get to the playoff and see them there.
2: Yeah, the uh, you know there was this lot of week one um, sloppiness in in college football throughout the day, and that's fine. That's under that's I'll take it. I'll take sloppy football. Like we got it. College football is here, and uh, I enjoyed it. And then the Clemson game came, <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence <laughs> trotted out there, and man, like it was just so clean and smooth so and <laughs> like. It was just crisp and like it was just like oh oh yeah like this it can look like this um and so it was just it was just fun it was fun to watch a good ball fun to watch a good player like you get like first throw I, f- I feel it was like first drive of the game I want to say maybe it was just the first drive I watched I might have missed a drive um he threw a like a corner route I want to say which just to like Frank Ladson and you know, I just got done watching like you know Tam and Terry drop up James Blackman throw, you know, uh, game earlier and like just all these like ridiculous, like nonsense plays. And like this one's just, oh, bam, like, all right, drop back, roll, like hit a, like a, just a little dart, like 35 yards down the field, opposite hash and, and like all good. All right, let's roll. Um, so I enjoyed that. I appreciated that. And yes, Clemson is going to be in the playoffs.
0: I think the greatest example is that all day long, going along with what you were saying, Barton, where it's like sloppy football everywhere, and then Clemson shows up, and it's just clinical. It's perfect. We saw horrible special teams play across the country all day long, whether it was in coverage units, whether it was in the kicking game. You know, like I mentioned, Florida State blocked three kicks. There was muffed punts by the punter just dropping the ball in the end zone in the Citadel-South Florida game. And then here comes Clemson. With BT Potter <laughs> making all four of his extra points and all three of his field goals, including a 52 yarder before half, which he just drilled, and there yeah, was never it's good even for like down. sixty, yeah, right down the middle. And it's like, man, they are just better than everybody at everything.
1: Stupid. Uh, staying in the ACC, North Carolina, 31 to six winners against Syracuse. We mentioned Tommy DeVito earlier. That Syracuse team is I'll say this they and you know we were circling them as a team where motivations might be questioned I will say I saw some fight I saw I saw an orange team that did not appear entirely checked out but offensively they are just so bad like the the homer storylines coming out of like the North Carolina Beat Riders and, and the media that did go to the game is like wow North Carolina's defense, man, they're just, they're playing way above their heads. They're playing above expectations. Tamari Fox, Tamon Fox, like, they, this is a really good group. And I'm, I'm sort of telling them, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It was Syracuse's offensive line, and it was Syracuse's offense, down two running backs, like, Let's let's break for a little bit before we use this defensive performance as a reason to be able to, you know, just add even more gasoline to the hype fire that is going on in Chapel Hill around that football program right now. Sam Howell had a little bit of Trevor Lawrence to him coming off the offseason of hype and throwing a couple picks, forcing the issue a little bit. But uh, I thought that, you know, the Tar Heels eventually were were fine. They settled in. They ran the ball a lot better in the second half, weren't relying on the on the pass as much. And so, I, you know, you could, you could look at it and you could say, wow, North Carolina was way overrated. You could look at it and say it was about what you expected. And uh, I don't think anybody's coming out of the game, though, feeling like they were blown away by what they saw from the Tar Heels.
0: I'm frustrated because there was the lock fight where I had, you know, Syracuse and 23 points, and it was 10 to 6 after the third quarter. And I didn't get the cover.
2: Yeah, but Tom, that's sort of who North Carolina is, my friend. Like, have you not forgotten that Sam Howell, had, like, crams an entire game's worth of action into fourth quarters every single week? Quarter. It was the here's the four. The, I, I pulled up the fourth quarter stats. It was twenty-one and nothing, hundred twenty yards to forty-one yards, eight yards per play to two point three yards per play. Uh I mean. And it it was Bud Elliott in the uh, 24-7 Slack was like posting this the quarter-by-quarter yards per play differential. And it was like, you you could just see it like accumulating and piling up and getting further apart and further apart. And and the fourth quarter, just the dam just broke. So are you saying that we should maybe make it a cover
0: three principle that we're going to live bet North Carolina... At the end of the
2: third quarter, every, every single week, whatever <laughs> the spread is, that might be a principle worth pursuing. Yes.
1: <laughs> I get. So let's see, what was the, I guess the second quarter score was three, nothing because North Carolina, remember worst second quarter team in the nation at one point last year. If you want to, you want to get in on them live bets, maybe you do it at the conclusion of the first half, but, uh, but yep. Yeah, I don't know. I, I come out of that feeling like North Carolina is about on track, at least for my expectations. Uh, all right. What else? Uh, where
2: else do you want to go? Second quarter was the only quarter that Syracuse outgained North Carolina. So, hey, they are who they are.
1: <laughs> we got uh, App State narrowing out, uh, narrowing out a victory against Charlotte, your beloved 49ers. I mean, Army, the only 2-0 team in the country, now has – one i think i think they have a combined score of 59 to 7 in its two 79 wins to seven. 79 to 7 in its two wins against uh UL Monroe and Middle Tennessee there was just a total bat you know what game going on between UTSA and Texas State Campbell nearly won against Georgia Southern and Georgia Southern was down 33 players because of uh covid suspension and other coaches discretion related reasons what stands out to y'all?
0: Thirty-three is a lot of players. That's what stands out to me. Like, I don't know what the like. We went over the conference of protocols earlier this week on the show, and it's like I feel like if you're out thirty-three players, how could you meet the requirements?
2: The uh, that might, but that like that might include walk-ons and stuff, and who Maybe. knows? The I, I just wanted to kind of draw your attention. I know it's an FBS versus FCS game, but I've I've been I've been kind of whispering about Pitt. I've just been whispering about him. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start to talk a little louder about him. They just beat Austin P. Fifty-five to nothing. Austin P. Has got a game under their belt. Austin P. Is is not a terrible FCS team. Pitt beat him fifty-five to nothing. Went to uh, ten-minute quarters, 10 in, the quarters, quarters half in the second half. half. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I think Pitts can be good. Chip, what about your South Florida Bulls?
1: I was uh, not encouraged by the fact that they weren't able to score more against the Citadel, but you know,
0: <laughs> the at, Citadel is defensive.
1: Like, because what? So they had the one uh, touchdown on the bungled punt. So I kind of take that off the board, at least in terms of what I was expecting from that group. And so, yeah, you know, not the not the most efficient offensive performance from the bulls, but again, I I take it back to, we know how Clemson inspired. this staff is Jeff Scott's got former Clemson players. He's got former Clemson assistants and Clemson plays a Citadel. Like what? Once every two years, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was, this was absolutely built in to, to have anything other than a dominant win in this game would have been a massive disappointment. So they came out, you know, they took their, uh, their chop blocks and they were able to, uh, to go home with a victory as one of, uh, one of 20 games to take place here on this week to Saturday.
2: Hey, rank these three teams, uh, in order, uh, Duke, Miami, Florida state,
1: Miami, Florida state, Duke.
2: Yeah. Okay. What would be the Miami, Florida state line? Four
1: and a half. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Hold on. I came out of Miami. Uh, I came out of Miami encouraged. Miami 31 14 win against UAB. That is a. So UAB's defensive front, I was looking at Miami's schedule. I think that you get a better defensive front, obviously, out of Clemson. I think you get a better defensive front out of. Pit and I think you get a better defensive front out of Florida State but like next week Miami is going to play Louisville I think UAB might have a better defensive front than Louisville does so when you rack up more than 300 was that like 334 rushing yards running mm-hmm. at an up tempo with Derek King as a rushing threat with Cameron Harris uh, with like they even went two or three deep in that running back rotation if that's sort of the heart of that new Miami offense. Like it's fine if they don't, I mean, Derek King in any, uh, passing play of consequence is not looking to anybody else, but Brevin Jordan, it seems oh. like if he's not open, then I don't know if anything, <laughs> anything's going to happen there. But even with that up-tempo, rush, heavy attack, I still think that Miami is a, a very, very solid offense.
0: See that. That's my thing though, with that matchup. Cause I feel like Florida state's defensive line can limit miami's run game and based on you know what we saw in that opener for miami if you take away their run i don't have a whole lot of confidence in them being able to do a whole lot of anything offensively so that's why i would say four and a half
2: so if duke played florida state tomorrow you would pick florida state to win that game yeah
0: not like super excited but i would (laughs) pick them to win it like i don't like duke Chase Bryce played well, or at least better than I expected it to, but it's not like Duke was doing anything out there that was making me think there's, you know, oh, wait, well, you no, know, this is a team that might, you know, go four or five wins in the ACC this year. I still think they're like a 2-8 and eight team in
2: conference. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Duke. they're at least, like, they at least kind of know who they are. Yeah. And they are, you know, they 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 executed... They've got a pretty good defensive front, which we talked about. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know what to think about Duke. I mean, they're certainly better than I thought they were, and whether that means they're 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 no better from a win perspective, I don't know. That maybe they're not, but they're they're a better team than I thought they were. So I'm I'm kind of intrigued. Um, I also think that Louisville is. I'm, I'm con- like, I am I'm like think I can keep my, my cape on for Scott Satterfield because I think they're going to be really good again. I'm not, you know, Western Kentucky is not a juggernaut, but they're a good group of five team. They play good defense, and Louisville just gashed them. Um, 31, 35-21, and two of Western Kentucky's touchdowns came off turnovers where they got the ball inside, like the five-yard line. So... I think Louisville is is a really good team, too.
0: Could be. Could be. I think Louisville games will still definitely be one of some of the funner games in the ACC on a weekly basis, that's for sure.
1: Duke and Florida State scheduled to play December 5th in Durham.
2: That could be for everything. See, by then, I could see Florida State potentially being a pretty good team. I think they probably will be a pretty good team. Like At that point, I'm probably taking Florida State. Duke has never beaten Florida State.
1: Duke has never beaten Florida yep. State. 18-0, and 0 series goes back to 1992. Let me just throw it on here right now. <laughs> Duke is going to take down Florida State and Durham on December 5th. You're gonna
2: call your December shot right
0: wow. now. So I, I'm calling after after our first real Power Five weekend. I'm calling Billy Napier to South Carolina. Chips calling Duke, finally beating Florida State. December Barton, give us something crazy that's gonna happen.
2: Uh, uh, Clemson will be in the playoffs.
1: Whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> so I mean, I'm just saying that if if all of the trends that we have seen about this Florida state team. Like if just changing the head coach is not going to reverse what we've seen before. What's the motivation factor at the end of a disappointing COVID impacted season. When you show up to Durham, North Carolina for the final game of the year, coach, coach cuddle, have them boys ready.
2: I don't know. At, at that point, Mike Norvell, will he, they will have um, busted the, the, uh, the, the portable concrete with the sledgehammer <laughs> m- several times. And, and surely that that's enough to galvanize the team to turn it around. So I don't know.
1: We'll see. Uh, he is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back with you on Monday afternoon. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
0: Shout out to Lane. Desert.